0: So we've been considering the uh, topic of the Lord's Day in the past three weeks, and um, we've covered quite a bit. We've looked at the origins, the Lord's Day in its origins, and we saw there that the Lord's Day, or the, the Sabbath, is a creation ordinance. God instituted it there at the creation. When he finished creating everything, he... Uh, rested on the sabbath day and made it holy uh, which is what we've considered there in the catechism question and then we considered the Lord's day uh, again in its origins from the fourth commandment then we considered the Lord's day in its uh, uh, change the change of the day and we were able to see that because Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath he has Uh, uh, all the authority over everything even over the Sabbath He has the right to interpret it for us He has the right to change it uh, because He is the Lord of the Sabbath It's His day We were able to last week consider the Lord's day in its practice um, and how we are supposed to conduct ourselves both in public and in private acts of worship especially on the lord's day we used the text in acts chapter 2 verse 42 to uh, be able to see how we are to conduct ourselves as well as ephesians chapter 5 and colossians and chapter 3 we're able to see that there's a primacy of god's word there's the prayers there's the breaking of bread the the, the ordinances there's a, the fellowship and there's, there's a singing when the people of god are gathered this is how we practice the lord's day both in public and in private in private we use the lord's day to worship god with our families with our children with our servants uh with with those that live within our gates so that we may worship the lord together both publicly and privately this morning i'd like to conclude this series by bringing before you the lord's day uh in its errors the errors to avoid the Lord's Day errors to avoid and this may as well be a brief class and I would like to encourage a lot of interaction if if you have any questions or comments please be sure to to ask them but then I'd like us to to see at least five errors that we should avoid we regarding this whole matter of the lord's day five errors that we are to avoid we are to avoid number 1 the error that the fourth commandment is abolished we are to avoid the error that number 1 the fourth commandment is abolished or the fourth commandment is ceremonial law now <clears throat> the truth of the matter is that nowhere in the new testament do we see anything like the abolishing of the fourth commandment there are three texts that are quoted so often so as to make the claim that the fourth commandment has been abolished or has been removed or is ceremonial law turn with me to romans chapter 14. romans 14. verses 3 to 6, we talked about this passage a bit last week during the tea plot. Romans chapter 14 verse 3 to 6 says, Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his owner uh, before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Verse five one person esteems one day better than another while <clears throat> another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord, the one who eats eats in honor of the lord since he gives thanks to god while the one who abstains abstains in the honor of the lord and gives thang- gives thanks to god we were able to see there last week that <clears throat> there are a couple of things there the, the, there is a the jewish believer there is the uh, gentile believer the jewish believer has all these sorts of of days and festivals and ceremonies and he he's not only considering this the sabbath day as as holy but he has many other days that he has put for himself and if you if you consider the 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 uh old testament you will see how the jews had all these festivals and ceremonies and then we have the gentile who who <clears throat> who knows that all they need for them to be saved is repentance and faith in the lord jesus christ then the apostle paul tells us there that there is one person who esteems one day as better than another. Now we know that he cannot be speaking about the Lord's day because the Lord's day is part of the moral law which is found in the Ten Commandments. And so he cannot be saying that you can take the Lord's day the way you want. As as part of the interpretation, uh, we are to, to see that when he's saying that one person esteems one day as better than another he's he's not really talking about the lord's day if he's talking about the sabbath as it is he's talking about the jewish sabbath now go with me to colossians chapter chapter 2 colossians chapter 2 verse 16 again in Romans we we see that there's the issue of passing judgment to one another the weaker brother wants to pass judgment on uh, the stronger brother and the same is the case for the stronger brother but Paul is urging them not to pass judgment on each other now here in Colossians he also deals with the same thing therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath verse 17 these are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to christ and so no one is to disqualify the colossian believers on the basis of these things a new moon festival or even a sabbath if the apostle paul is talking about the sabbath in romans chapter 14 uh, he's talking about the jewish sabbath which which we are told there in verse 17 that it is a shadow of the things to come the substance belonging To the lord jesus christ we also have a text in galatians go with me to galatians chapter 4 verse 9 to verse 10 and and all this is to show you that the fourth commandment is not abolished we are to avoid the error that the fourth commandment is abolished galatians 4 9 to 10 says but now that you have you have come to know god or rather to be known by god how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. And and the Apostle Paul is again labouring for the Gospel in the midst of these Galatians and he's telling them, your observance of days and festivals and months uh, has no bearing in the gospel. Now, when he is talking about it in Romans 14 and Colossians uh, 2, we are able to see that he is uh, referring to the Jewish Sabbath, and um, in this Jewish sab- Sabbath, the the, the the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is not quite bound. But with reference to the law of God, found in the ten commandments uh, uh, the 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 believer is bound the the moral law binds all believers everywhere for all of time now there are vital passages that uh, speak of obedience to the commandments of god and therefore assure us that the commandments are to be kept including the fourth commandment And so the the issue about the fourth commandment is not its abolition. The issue about the fourth commandment is our right understanding of it and how to live it out. Let's consider John chapter 14 and verse 15. Someone read John 14 verse 15. john Chapter fourteen, verse fifteen, please.
1: if You love me, you will keep my commandments.
0: Verse twenty one.
1: Uh, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father,
0: and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Okay, let's move to Chapter fifteen, verse ten. <laughs> And so we see from those passages that the commandments of God must be kept. They must be obeyed, especially by those who claim to be Christians, those who follow God, those who have repented of their sins, those who have bent their knee to Christ. And so God is to be obeyed, especially by his people. Now granted, people are not saved because of obedience to the law people are not saved through obedience to the law the laws of god but scripture is quite clear that we are to obey god as his people because he has saved us christians must have the attitude of i want to obey god the disposition of the the heart of the believer should be that uh, god has given me commands and i must follow them not because god will save me out of them but because God has already so mercifully saved me. And so the claims that the fourth commandment is purely ceremonial is refuted by simply noting that it was announced in the Garden of Eden. It was uh, 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 proclaimed by God there on the seventh day when he finished his work long before ceremonies began um long before the people have uh, been delivered from from egypt and now they have all these ceremonial laws long before that god had given uh the 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 command for his people to rest on the uh, seventh day which is the sabbath now we also know that uh james <clears throat> from from what we've been studying in the book of james uh in our morning sermons that the ten commandments are an indivisible unit you cannot break them you cannot separate them you cannot dispose one of them as you please go with me to james james chapter 2 james chapter 2 verse 8 to verse 12 we see there the commandments being referred to as the law, and James quotes two of them. Now before James quotes uh, the, the, the 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 two commands, he rightly tells us that whoever keeps the law the, the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of uh of it all. That's what we see there in verse verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it we we <clears throat> if, if you break one law you've broken all laws now there's a sense in which <laughs> the sdas behave as though if they've gone to church on saturday they've fulfilled every law they forget that when we break the law of god we break we break the whole of it it is an, an indivisible unit it is clear that the Ten Commandments are, are an indivisible unit. They are unassailable. They are an, exp- an expression of God's holiness. They show us that God is holy and God, God has holy standards from, from which no man can remove anything however he pleases. And so the, the Fourth Commandment is, is clear, is there for us, for us to be, uh, to, to benefit from it, to obey it to live in it. Now, is there anyone with a question there? So the first error that we are to avoid is the error that the fourth commandment has been abolished. We believe in ten commandments, not nine. Okay, number two, we are to avoid the error That the Sabbath was only for the Israelites that the Sabbath was only for the Israelites now this is why we've been seeking to rightly understand it so that uh, we understand what is required of us we who are not Israelites um, when it comes to the whole matter of of this Sabbath now our Lord Jesus Christ says in Mark chapter 2 open with me to Mark chapter 2 and verse 27 he says that he uh, uh, he's the lord of the sabbath but but then he says that the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath mark chapter chapter 2 mark chapter 2 and verse 27 jesus says there that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, this communicates to us two things. communicates to us that the Sabbath was not just for a few people, namely the Jews. It was made for man. Christ is telling us here that there is a level of universality to the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not only made for the Israelites. The Sabbath was made for man. We know this because God instituted it. They are the creation. And so we are to avoid the error that uh, of thinking that the Sabbath is, uh, is an Israelite kind of thing. Jesus tells us there that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Our being made for man removes it from the idea that it, it could be a ceremonial law. Because it has been made for all men, it cannot be a ceremonial law. Therefore, it is not only for the Israelite, but for humans in general, every human being that has ever lived. Um, This takes us back to Genesis. It is a creation ordinance. Therefore, it is valid for all men, everywhere, in all of time. So when you think about the Sabbath, you are not to think about the Israelites only. It just so happens that the Israelites are the people that God chose in the, in the, in the Old Testament to reveal himself to the world uh, through whom the Messiah would be born. But the Sabbath was made for man, not for the Israelites only. Number two, it communicates to us that the Sabbath is, is, is not more important than, than man. In fact, it is the other way around. The Sabbath was made for man. Um, God made it, God instituted it for the good of man. So that uh, however we view it, it must be clear that this is here for my good. You know, this has been created by God, has been put in place by God for my good. It's not like God made me for the Sabbath. God made it for me. God made the Sabbath for me, for His glory and for my good. And so we see there in in mark chapter 2 verse 27 that the sabbath was made for man it was made for man the the whole humanity and then it was made for man and not the sabbath uh, and, and not the other way around not man for the sabbath god made uh, the sabbath for you for your good for your benefit uh, uh, for your spiritual exercises for his glory number three we are to avoid the error that we are the lords of the sabbath and i like to ask you a question here how do people act as though they are the lords of the sabbath Yes, Chumba.
1: the way people uh taken uh, the roads play and uh do uh what they think and uh other businesses which uh that has not been commanded by Christ.
0: Okay. So 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 people act as though they are the laws of the Sabbath by taking the Lord's day however they please and living in it and conducting themselves however they want, as though they're the ones who created it, as though they're the ones who instituted it. But immediately after saying that the Sabbath was made for man, our Lord goes ahead to remind us who has all authority, even authority over the Sabbath. Look there in Mark chapter 2 again, verse 28. You know, Jesus has finished telling them that the Sabbath was made for man and not the other way around. And verse 28, Jesus says that the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He is Lord of all Lord of all things, Lord of everything, and he is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus Christ claims it as his own, and therefore it stands. It stands uh, uh, even today. It has not been removed. It has not been abolished. It is there for us to keep it. Now, as we've been looking, as as we've been going through these classes, we've been seeking to understand what does it mean in (coughs) creation uh, when God created it, and what does it mean when we find it in the fourth commandment, so that we may be able to know how to live in it, and therefore we are to avoid the error that we are the lords of the Sabbath. God in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, our Lord would would not make such a big announcement just to remove it and to do away with it. If you carefully consider the context of those verses, you will see that Jesus Christ claims it as his own, so that, as we have seen in the last couple of weeks, he may rightly interpret it for us. He is the one with the capacity to tell us what it means and how to keep it, because it belongs to Him. Christ's Lordship over the Sabbath means this. It means that He he owns the Sabbath. He is to be the focus of its worship. He is its rightful interpreter, especially to change the particular day of the week and to show us how to conduct ourselves in it. He is the custodian of the Sabbath. He is the one that grants perpetuity, he's the one that makes it uh, uh, continue in the lives of his people. Because as opposed to we being the lords of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so when you think about the Sabbath, you're not only to think of it as a thing that is made for man, but you're also to think of it as what does Christ require of you on the Lord's day. How does God require you to conduct yourself on the Lord's day? You know we are not the lords of it, and therefore we do not get to decide how we are going to spend it. We do not get to decide how we are going to live in it. Now there are people that have claimed Christian liberty. Uh, that we have liberty in Christ. We have liberty, liberty to to do what. And when you probe probe further and you ask them, is it liberty to do whatever we want to do, to live however we want to, to live, others will be as bold as to say yes to their shame and mistake. We do not have liberty to do whatever we want or whatever we please because we are in Christ. In fact, liberty in Christ means that we are free to do the right thing. We are free to obey God. The doctrine of Christian liberty refers to the freedom to be able to access God without a priest, without a mediator, except the mediation of the Lord Jesus Christ. For there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But then, uh, uh, Christian liberty does not only mean that we are free to access God, to, to, to uh, uh, be able to access God through Christ, it also means that we have freedom from guilt and condemnation. We have freedom from the ceremonial laws of the Jews. We have uh, freedom from bondage, uh, the bondage that comes with sin. You realise that sinners are slaves of sin. Sinners are not uh, 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 children of God, as is popularly uh, advertised. Everyone is not a child of God. Those who are children of God are those who have repented of their sins and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, John chapter 1 verse 12 and 13 and so when we get freedom in Christ we get freedom from the ceremonial law not the moral law we get freedom from the bondage of sin we are no longer slaves of sin we get um, freedom from the world freedom from Satan freedom from fear of death now the unbeliever again fears death they cannot imagine that they will die they do not know where they will go when they die And so they don't want to die but for the christian they are free free from the fear of death and so when we talk about christian liberty we are not saying that uh, we shouldn't be saying that we are free from obeying god christian liberty does not include freedom from obedience to god actually now that we are in christ we are free to obey god because the unbeliever is not free to obey god because they're a slave of sin and the only way that the unbeliever is able to obey god is if god does a supernatural work in their hearts if god saves them by his grace through jesus christ that's the only that's the only time that the unbeliever is able to obey god and so the error there that we are to avoid is to think that we are the lords of the sabbath christ is the lord of the sabbath he is the one that di- dictates for us how to conduct ourselves on the lord's day he is the one that changes the sabbath it's no longer saturday it's sunday why because he rose again on the first day of the week and therefore his people worship him uh, as we've seen from the scriptures on the lord's day number four we are to avoid the error that the new testament says nothing about sunday worship so there, there are a couple of errors here there, Error number one, the fourth commandment has been abolished We are to avoid that error Error number two, we are to avoid the error that the, the Sabbath is only for the Israelites Error number three we are to avoid is the error that we we are the lords of the Sabbath Error number four that we are to avoid is that the New Testament says nothing about Sunday worship And And <laughs> go to the SDA and they will they will really really labor to show you that the bible doesn't say anything about sunday and, and, and that for us is a big big mistake the new testament specifically tells us that the first day of the week sunday is the christian day for worship two texts will suffice here which we've already considered acts chapter 20 verse 7 go with me to acts chapter 20 and verse 7 And we see there that believers are gathered. Believers are gathered. And on what day are they gathered in? They are gathered on the first day of the week. Acts chapter 20 verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. This can only mean that the people of God were gathered for worship, because the breaking of the bread is not done at home with me and my wife or you and your family the breaking of bread is done among the people of the assembled people of god it's done in church where the people of god are gathered and this is what we see here on the first day of the week they were gathered together and what they, what were they doing they were breaking bread as they were listening to the preaching of god's word from the apostle paul Go with me to first corinthians chapter 16 another text that we we <clears throat> we considered in the second class just to briefly bring it up first corinthians 16 verse 1 and 2 now concerning the collection of the saints as i directed the churches of galatia so you also are to do verse 2 on the first day of every week each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when i come the believers in galatia gather on the first day of the week the believers here in corinth are told the same thing that the believers in galatia were told you know concerning the collection for the saints as i directed the churches of galatia so the apostle paul is directing the churches the the, the church in corinth the same way he did the church churches of galatia and they are gathering when on the first day of every week every week the believers gathered so it's 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 true to say that christians gathered on the first day of the week if you go to john chapter chapter 20 you will see that it's it's when the, the lord jesus christ rose from the grave and from that moment onwards the people of god gathered on the first day of the week especially being afraid of the Jews, they were locking themselves uh, uh, up. And that is where the Lord Jesus Christ finds them. It is simply not true to say that a specific day for worship and the principle of, of, of Sabbath observance uh, in the New Testament is, is no longer there. We see, we see it clearly in the New Testament. Now, unless one is, is hell-bent uh, uh, on not seeing this point, it is very clear from these passages And this is not only an error that we ought to avoid, but it it, it is also a truth that we should not skip. We are to be clear why we gather on Sunday. We do not come to church on Sunday because we feel like it. We do not come to church on Sunday because we, we decided for ourselves to be gathering on Sunday. We come to church on Sunday because the bible tells us that this is how the people of god have been gathering since the day christ rose from the grave so the bible is the bible is clear about sunday worship and then of course we have the apostle john in the book of revelation chapter 1 verse 10 and he tells us that he was in the spirit on the lord's day and as we were considering that uh, two weeks ago we were able to see that he speaks to them as though they know what he's talking about. You know, the same way Moses talks to the Jews, um, uh, in, uh, to, to the Israelites in, in Exodus 16. Even before he gives them the commandments, when they are being given manna by God, he tells them on the sixth day, you collect manna even for the next day because the next day is the Sabbath. And so he communicates to them as though they already know what the Sabbath is. And that's the same way that the Apostle John is communicating to uh, the the people of God as he writes the Revelation, and he tells them that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and that is when he received this revelation that he is now giving to them. And he he doesn't go farther to explain because it is assumed that the people of God know what the Lord's Day is, because this is the day that they are gathering, this is the day that they meet, the first day. Of the week and so we have indisputable biblical proof that the first christians had a special day of worship which they called the lord's day the day of christ's resurrection the first day of the week which was uh, uh their day to implement the moral and spiritual principles of the creation ordinance and the fourth commandment is there any question So we are to avoid there the error that the New Testament says nothing about Sunday worship. The New Testament actually tells us, it tells us, it's just that it doesn't use the word Sunday, it uses the, the words, first, first day of the week, and the Lord's Day, yes. Error number five, and lastly, the one that we are to avoid, to avoid the error that it is not written in everyone's conscience now we've been gathering on f- fridays for the friday fellowship and we began the chapter in our 1689 confession of the law of god and we saw a couple of we've, we've seen so far a couple of things from the first two paragraphs we've seen that the law of God is written where? It's written in two places. Number one, place number one. Yes. In the hearts of men, number two. Yes. Stone tablets. The Ten Commandments. Zenye mungu Moses. And so, the law of God is written in the heart of Adam because he's created upright and he's created in the image of God. And because Adam is our federal head, he's our representative, everyone thereafter who is born is born with the law of God where? In their hearts. Okay. And then we were also able to see that this law of God written in the heart of Adam is stipulated, is set down, where? At Mount Sinai, in the Ten Commandments. And we're able to see that the Ten Commandments summarize the moral law. The moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. Now, <clears throat> there are people that will argue that it's not quite in everyone's conscience that the Lord's day should be kept. You know, an error may arise as you think and wrestle with this whole matter, uh, this whole issue of the Lord's day, the Sabbath, that it is not written in everyone's conscience, is it? Really? But the biblical view is that it is. It is because the law of God is written in the hearts of men. Now, when we say or, or when people say that this is, it, it's it's not written in the consciences of men, and therefore we can, you know, we can do away with it. We cannot, we cannot obey God on it. They are making a terrible mistake, because this is not how we determine whether something is right or wrong. Senhor, do we determine whether something is right or wrong because it's in the consciences of people? No, we determine whether something is right or wrong based on what God says in His Word. And so this is just a terrible way of determining whether something is right or wrong, whether something should be done or not, you know, whether a commandment has moral standing or not, whether it's written in the consciences of, of men. And so last Friday, we, we, we saw that the conscience is not the law. There was a question that was asked whether there is a difference between the conscience and the law, and we were able to see that the conscience is not the law. Rather, the conscience is the faculty of the human that enables him to know when when he has sinned, or is about to do something that is evil. Uh, that's my own definition. It's not in the it's not in the dictionary, uh, but as I understand what the conscience is, I think that the conscience is the faculty of the human. That enables him to know when he has sinned or he's about to do something that is evil that thing that that thing that bothers you when you've done something wrong that's what we call the conscience now when when one continuously sins and and habitually continues in disobedience what happens to the conscience yes it becomes seared it's as though the lights are dimmed in the conscience; it becomes dull. Um, um, the conscience is it, it becomes dull when someone continuously sins or con- habitually continues in sins, and, and this is the kind of thing that happens when when one continuously engages in lying, for example. They no longer see as if lying is a sin, or sexual immorality. They think, ah, this, and this is what is happening in the world today. People continuously sin. And and bribing bribing today is is, is just there. It's, it's, it's not a sin, and it's because the conscience is seared. It, it it the lights are dimmed in the conscience. You know, it it appears as though it is not sinful or wrong, and this is due to the dullness in the conscience that comes with time. The more, the more you sin. The more you continue to engage in a particular sin the more it appears as though it's not a sin. And this is this is a thing that is plaguing today's church. Christians are habitually sinning or secretly sinning. And because they're not caught, they continue. And it becomes it becomes their conscience becomes dull. It becomes as though ah, bana. And that and that's one of the ways that sin is deceitful. And so <clears throat> i think it is it would be safe to argue that people have disobeyed god so much so that the principle of the sabbath is even repulsive to them others don't even think that they need to go to church anymore they think that church can be done online for example and, and then there's that whole argument you know, others, others cannot understand how you go to church for the whole day. How? They, they, they don't. Because their consciences are dull. They think the church is a two-hour business. And this is not what we would want you to think. The Lord's Day belongs to God. Uh, please avoid the error of thinking that because it it doesn't it doesn't so obviously appear in your conscience that therefore you can live however you want in it And so there are these five errors that I'd like us to avoid number one that the fourth commandment is abolished that's an error that we should avoid number two that the Sabbath is only for Israelites that's an error that we should avoid number three that the 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 sabbath uh, that we we are the laws of the sabbath that is an error that we are to avoid number four that the new testament says nothing about sunday worship that is an error that we are to avoid and then number five uh that it is not written in the consciences of of men or everyone's conscience that is an error that we are to avoid I'd like to open it up for questions and any comments before we close this whole matter of the Lord's Day. Is there any question or a comment?
1: To obey the to keep the Sabbath, even though actually they were not directly Israelites. Mm-hmm. For example, that soldier would not say, "I'm not an Israelite, so <laughs> why do you guys tell me and to keep this day uh, holy?" To so, mm-hmm. um, but of course, even as you have explained, God was revealing himself through the people of Israel, mm-hmm. so that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that the Philistines and the other uh, nations were not keeping, it was because actually they, it was because God had revealed himself in a special way to the people of Israel Mm -hmm. and made his commandments very clear to Mm -hmm. them, that that is
0: what think. That's a very good point. William is making the point that when we look at the fourth commandment in Exodus twenty, we see that the, we see God clearly telling us the people that are to keep the to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. And we have there you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, who would actually be a, there was a high chance of them being Gentiles. And then you have the sojourner, who is within your gate. And the sojourner is a reference to someone who is, who is not an Israelite. Um, being required to keep the Lord's Day, to remember it. Of course, it's because he is, in, he is among the people of God. Uh, but I think it's a good point that that does show that it was not only limited to the Israelites. Any other comments or question? I think you've understood me. the past four weeks. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father we bow before you this morning. We thank you because when we are gathered around like this to hear your word it is never in vain. Because your word must accomplish the purposes for which you have sent it. We pray now that as we just considered the errors that we are to avoid, that you would help us to honour you in the Lord's day. We thank you that you made the Sabbath for man so that it's it's for our benefit, it's for our spiritual good, it's for your glory. And we pray that you would help us especially as we've been considering this in the past four weeks to be able to firmly understand this so that our worship to you would be meaningful so that our coming to church on sunday would not be superficial so that we would not we would not be found seeking to disobey you and justify ourselves help us O heavenly father to live in light of your word to conduct ourselves in a manner that is pleasing to you worthy of the gospel so that you would be glorified in our lives we thank you that the finished work of the cross needs no addition from our doings and therefore we know that we are not saved because we obey you in your law we are saved because christ perfectly obeyed you And we have bent our knees to him. Please help us through these things. Grant that you would be glorified in our midst even this Lord's Day. These things we pray through the name of our only Sovereign and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.